With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of SSPN Live. I know a lot of you guys, a lot of Spurs fans out there, probably coming off that Cowboys game. Ethan, you're the resident Cowboys fan, so... I hate to make you talk about it again, but I know that a lot of Spurs fans are probably feeling this way right now, so I'm just going to swing it to you and let you have a little vent session to start off today's show. (laughs) Man, I don't even know. Like, I texted you immediately, and I was like, officiating was pretty bad. Like, but at the same time, 90%, even maybe 95% of it was not even officiating's fault, really. It was just the Cowboys doing Cowboy things in playoff time which is just stupid fouls. And Mike McCarthy obviously didn't have them mentally ready to go. So it was just an abysmally slow start. And in Cowboy fashion, we kind of got it, got some momentum in the fourth quarter. And it was like, we're about to, we're about to have an incredible comeback, the Dallas miracle. And uh, right on cue, we run a QB sneak with 14 seconds to go, no timeouts. And the, uh, (laughs) <laughs> the ref or the umpire got in the way of the snap because they have to touch the snap. And it's just one frustrating thing after another, Jude. And uh, the result is, unfortunately, something I'm very used to. That's a Cowboys loss in the wild card. Well, I told you before we were on air, and I'll tell our viewers, as a Saints fan, let me tell you, I've been there. I've been there with postseason officiating, so yep, <laughs> I'm have. here for y'all, and oh, um, that's that's all I can say. But in good news, we've got some Spurs news, and I want to actually start off today's episode with something that I didn't put in the title, but I was talking with my friend Drew, who's been in our show a lot during the week, um, and is my boss at my job at the San Marcos Daily Record, and he was mentioning how we were a little bit off fan voting obviously is important for the starters in the all-star game, but actually the coaches pick the reserves. And you guys may have heard that if you tuned into TSR's live stream with ourselves and Rob Trejo Jr. from Spurs Tube TV. Go check out that on his channel if you haven't yet. It's literally a two-hour breakdown of the season. So if you really want to get in the weeds and, and check out some good content, go check that out for sure. But one of the things we talked about was that, once again, those assistant coaches pick the all-stars in the game. And I think, and I think you would agree here as well, Ethan, that that gives DeJounte Murray a much higher chance of getting in the all-star game. And also, since we had that conversation last week, DeJounte's came back and has had like two almost 30-point triple-doubles. Yep. So he's just been on a tear on top of that. So I think that, you know, I don't want to get our hopes up too high just because you never know with the Spurs, but... At the same time, it really feels like DeJounte has a shot at this thing and, and a more of a shot than we thought the last time we spoke. Definitely improves his chances the coaches get to pick because he's one of those guys that coaches love, high energy, really great defender, and the leader on a team. And coaches put more respect on that than, say, an average fan would. Um, I'm still I'm still I'm gonna stay skeptical because I don't want to be too disappointed when the actual announcement comes out. But you never know because like he's definitely playing at an all-star level for sure. The dude is playing out of his mind. Deserve, yeah. Deserves it. 
I think another interesting thing will be who ends up being the all-star coach, because if it's somebody in the Spurs tree, you know that that's always, you know, Taylor Jenkins having a great year right now with the Grizzlies. That's somebody who I could see potentially picking him as a reserve Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, So we'll have to watch it play out. There's a lot of factors, but like Ethan says, stay skeptical, guys. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to get too hurt, but also recognize that, hey, there is an objectively higher chance with that being the case and with the way that he's been playing. So if DJ keeps doing DJ things and they keep playing the way that they played last night, um, and like Doug McDermott said in the press conference before, when they get everybody back and they really feel like they can get some wins together, that could be an opportunity. And speaking of that, Ethan, while I only got to watch the highlights of last night's game, one of the things that you've mentioned throughout this year and an idea that we've talked about uh, is Derek White coming off the bench. I think we saw the effectiveness of that last night. I know it's just one game and it's after COVID reconditioning. That may be the reasoning, but I felt like watching that game that allowed Derek, yes, they still played together in crunch time, but that Mm -hmm. allowed him to kind of be a little bit more effective with the ball in his hands, get a little bit more open. We saw him shooting better as well. Um, Just that confidence being the leading scorer last night. What were kind of your thoughts on that? And do you think that that's maybe something that they should keep, you know, keeping Devin Vassell in that starting lineup? That's something we even talked about on the TSR stream. What are your thoughts on all of that? I know I just threw a lot at you, but you're good. I didn't catch the game either. Unfortunately, I was busy last night, Um, but Looking at the box score and looking at the reports after the game, it seems like Derek White coming off the bench is probably the most effective spot for him, in all honesty. I know we didn't want to do that because we want to give him the chance to prove that he's like a definite starter, plus he's making the most money on the roster, so it's hard to put that guy on the bench. But just from an effective standpoint, it allows him to be more aggressive. It allows for him to look for his shots and it fills the hole on our bench unit, which is a backcourt guy that can be a like a good defender. Because when you have Bryn Forbes and Lonnie Walker back there, defensively, that's kind of a struggle. And then also who is going to facilitate, especially when Lonnie isn't hitting his shots. Um, so having Derek White coming off the bench, I think since the beginning of the season, it's been in my opinion that that's the best fit for the team. Um, and then Devin Vassell right next to DeJounte Murray, I think that also fits better than DeJounte with Derek because Devin's probably a more capable spot-up shooter. He's a lengthier guy, and he also um, excuse me, is a better rebounder in, in general. So that kind of adds to the, you know, the size issue that we've been having as well in the starting lineup where we, have, we, we don't necessarily play big, and then unfortunately our, gu- our guards are also kind of small. But if you put Devin in there, that sort of fixes the issue a little bit. Yes. And the other thing to remember, too, just about last night's game is that Derek and DeJounte did play together in crunch time while you were talking. um, You may notice the lighting changed a little bit because I'm on Dan Weiss's account because he tweeted some numbers earlier and I'm trying to find him here. I guess maybe it was somebody else who tweeted him and I didn't see it. But the point is. At the beginning of the game, that allows the Spurs to kind of spread the floor a little bit more, like you mentioned with Devin Mm -hmm. Vassell. And so you can kind of get the best of both worlds because you can play DeJounte and Derek together in the clutch so you can always have that defense there. And that also allows Derek to kind of get in a little bit more of a rhythm off the bench like we were talking about. So then whenever he does play with DeJounte, he's kind of been playing a little bit more, at least what I saw in the highlights Mm -hmm. last night, that off-ball shooter role. Um, And that would just allow him to get a little bit more comfortable scoring-wise, which is kind of how what he has to do. He has to play off of DeJounte whenever he plays next to him. So if he can get in rhythm off the bench for the whole game, 
a la Manu Ginobili. I know that not saying that he's Manu, but if he I feel like Derek is somebody who would be willing enough to be that sixth man for the Spurs and, you know, not have the ego in this situation. That's what we did with Manu a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, Manu would come off the bench, but in the clutch moments, we knew he was the starter. And so exactly, obviously just one game against the Clippers. So, you know, we don't want to put too much emphasis on it, but it was a little glimpse of it. And it's something that we talked about earlier this year. Um, and so it was just interesting to see how effective that was in game one. Um, and yeah. yeah. And you don't even have to, because Doug McDermott was in the starting lineup last night. I, I didn't watch the game, so I could be wrong here. But he only had 23 minutes, and Devin finished with 31. So when you bring DeJounte and Derek into the game together as the backcourt, just move Devin to that like three or four-ish spot with Keldon, and that can be the closing lineup. Because I, th- I like that better than Doug in there, especially if Doug isn't hitting like he, he wasn't last night. He only had four points. Yes, yes. Okay, so don't mean to change subjects here. So it was Paul Garcia, not Dan White. So DeJounte and Derek in crunch time. So this, I believe that this was, this is over the entire year is what it looks like. Uh, That's just what he says. It wasn't Mm -hmm. last night because I don't think they took 12 to 9 shots last night. Maybe I could be crazy or I could be wrong. But point is this, these are some numbers here of Derek and DeJounte in crunch time. So DeJounte Murray, 6 for 12, um... What well, and then it says 17. I'm not actually sure what that means, but regardless, 17 of 36, 46% on twos, 11 assists, four turnovers, nine of 17 from the free throw line, and then it says 0 and 5 from three. So that's actually not the greatest numbers there for mm-hmm. DeJounte, in all honesty. But if you look at Derek White, six of eight on twos, 75%, six of eight from the free throw line, four assists, and then one for six from three. So didn't shoot threes that well but they've been able to shoot efficiently overall um, Mm -hmm. in crunch time. So just another thing to keep in mind there, obviously not perfect, but at the same time um, you're seeing them shoot a pretty decent percentage during that point of the game. And especially with DeJounte, if you go watch those last four minutes last night, you know, like we tout on this channel, stats aren't always everything. And you could just see that DeJounte was getting in those isolation situations, getting guys off the dribble on the elbow, hitting that mid-range jumper, um, and just, you know, getting into his bag a little bit. And we've seen that in the fourth quarter recently. And so if he can keep that up and then Derek can make some plays, another thing that they didn't mention there that I saw watching last night's game, Derek had a key charge when they went down to help them get the ball back. So he really looked like he came back with a lot of energy, which is a great sign, you know, considering he's coming off health and safety protocols. But also, it seemed like, I don't know, it kind of seemed like, you know how when DeJounte came back, it felt like a reset, like he came back with a new, like invigorated, like motivation. That's exactly what it looks like with Derek last night, too. So, you know, obviously, you don't want anybody to go into health and safety protocols, but it seems like it's kind of giving these guys a little bit of a mental reset to come back with a newfound energy. Um, And that was kind of what, once again, we mentioned earlier, Doug McDermott pointed to in the press conference uh, after the Rockets' loss, I'm always a big fan of Energy Jude. And not to change the subject on you, but another side note that I just saw on the stat sheet here that could have been a really big difference in this game was that the Clippers only got to the free throw line eight times, and we got to the free throw line or eight attempts, and we had 27 attempts. So obviously, we were being a lot more aggressive. That probably stems from Derek White having more energy coming out of COVID protocols. Um, so hopefully the rest of the team coming out of COVID protocols can kind of follow suit 
and get the momentum back going in the right direction that it was going prior to everybody, unfortunately, getting sick and having to, to sit out. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that we've talked about on the show uh, so much, and I'm going to bring it up once again. Go ahead. Going back to that 2020 Charlotte game mm-hmm. where DeJounte and Derek had 25 and 26. This was eerily similar to that game, although nobody got into 20 points because they were just sharing the ball. Uh, the way that the Spurs want to kind of reminiscent of when Rudy Gay had 19 last year in a big team win. I can't remember who that was against, but I think there might actually been two games where Rudy was the leading scorer and it was under 20, but the Spurs won. That was something that I remember talking about. Um, But just going back to this game and DeJounte and Derek leading the charge in a team led effort, it was very reminiscent of that Charlotte game. And these, this is what you want. Like if these, this is kind of what you're expecting of Derek White and DeJounte Murray when you signed him to these contracts. DeJounte obviously has really lived up to it. There's nothing really else to say about him this year. If you want a full breakdown, once again, go to TSR's channel. Yeah. Broke down everybody on the roster, gave him grades. But Derek playing the way that he did last night, I think really was the difference. Definitely, definitely. Especially if he's off the bench, Jude. I really mm-hmm. like that bench role. I don't know if it'll... I don't know if that'll continue, but I really hope it does. I hope so too, because Devin Vassell, that's going, giving him 30 minutes a game, that's going to allow him to flourish and just, you know, grow. And at this point in the year, um, and this kind of points to something Mace was talking about, we're kind of thinking a little bit more about next season, even if the Spurs somehow managed to stumble their way into the 10 seed and, and get into the play-in. And who knows, maybe even win a game at the end of the day. We know that this year, it's not the year that the Spurs are going to the championship or anything, but you're seeing little bright spots here and there throughout the year. Obviously, there's some struggles too, but with the young team, that's going to happen. And there's a lot of decisions that are going to be made this offseason in regards to Lonnie Walker um, and probably maybe even Drew Eubanks. Yep. There's there's going to be some, some interesting um, talk, obviously, with the Spurs, probably will do all these post-game live or not post-game live shows but just live shows throughout the summer and then they'll end up doing nothing um yep. except for signing you know some random like you know kia debates diop and then that person turns in turns out to, to be a crazy really player. crazy player but uh going back to kbd he actually had a really nice spin move last night as well i forget what he finished with but 13 and 7 it seems like his bag is is growing a little bit as well so if kbd yeah. can continue to develop that's another thing that we talked about on that show. Maybe even you end up moving him to the starting four position. There's a lot that's going to happen. But I want to mm-hmm. say what's up to some of you guys in the comments. Houston Oilers, ironically. <laughs> um, uh, Eric Flores and then Mace as well. So we'll go ahead and answer this question, Ethan. Do you all think we'll put it together next year to be a five slash seven seed? I think a lot of that depends on kind of how the rest of this year goes, Ethan. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's a possibility very early to say but i think that 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 is a possibility for sure i think it's it's closer to the seven eight i agree than five six would be yeah but it's, yeah. it's definitely the way that we've been making constant improvements this season and the way Dejounte has been playing if we can add one more piece with the draft and maybe make some moves like you said not re-signing lonnie elevating primo's status maybe devin and Keldon make another jump in their play uh, then yeah, I could totally see it because the chemistry is definitely like getting way better as the season's progressed. Yeah, absolutely. And we've been talking about him all year. He's in He's in the title once again, but this time it's like actual news. Zach mm-hmm. Collins is back in yeah. the G League. 
Yeah, <laughs> in the G, G League, G League champs. <laughs> I know, I know. That's a little bit depressing for some of you guys. But what this means is that he's going to play probably for uh, you know maybe two to three weeks at the longest, probably down there, and then yeah. he'll get called up. So this is a great sign because not only are we going to get to see him play with some Spurs like Devontae Kaycock and Joe Wieskamp, and depending on what happens with Primo, I think they kind of like keeping him up there right now. I like it too. I'd be surprised if he gets moved back down, but you never know um, with the Spurs. So maybe we could get to see some Zach Collins Primo minutes in the G League. But the point is, we're going to get to watch Zach Collins. And I think it's going to be very telling with how he does in the G League, um, how he's going to do in the NBA, especially coming off that injury. Um, Because if he goes in there and has some struggles, then you know, okay, this is probably still affecting him a little bit. But yeah. if he goes in and just kills it, kind of like Jock Landale did, then you're going to know, all right, this dude is back and this is a, a really good signing. Obviously, you still want to wait until those NBA minutes. But just in regards to the injury, I think that watching these games um, is going to be uh, informative. Yeah, definitely. I the, Really, the only thing I really want to see is how well he moves. How quick is he getting up and down the court? Is he is he playing with confidence? You know, his skill, I, I think, will never leave him. His ability to make shots in the post as well as shoot the three ball, we know that's going to be there. He's a shot blocker. But can he rely on that foot and kind of move with the same fluidity that he was moving back in his Portland days? That's going to be that's going to be big. Yes, definitely. Couldn't have said it better myself. I'm also going to be very interested to just see how he matches up with guys in the paint strength-wise yeah, because we know that that's, that's something that, you know, I think just looking at him, never, I mean, we've seen him play in Portland, but never seeing him in a Spurs jersey, it seems like he might be the most physical out of Chalk Landale, Jakob Pertl, um, just whenever it comes to muscles. <laughs> to yeah, say, yeah. That's, definitely that's talks the, a lot too. Yeah. He's the, an aggressive the, dude. Yeah, the best way that I guess I could put that. Um, so that will be something that I'll be looking for in those G League games. So I know there's there's been reasons to watch the G League all year um, with our young guys down there, but with Primo kind of spending more time um, on the NBA roster, uh, Zach Collins is the reason to watch the Austin Spurs um, and to get excited for him coming back. So I'm excited to see his first game whenever he plays there, and I like how... Um, they're sending him down there first so we can get a little bit of a sneak preview for him uh, before he comes on the main roster. But looking at some of the other questions in here, we got TSR What's in up, here man? already. Um, I asked my live chat if I only brought one channel for an end of the year report card who they would want, and they chose SSPN. Awesome. awesome. Well, heck yeah. We appreciate TSR Nation um, for sure. And once again, y'all can go check out our two-hour breakdown of literally everybody <laughs> on the roster. And even Greg Popovich at the end, yeah. there was a surprise question. Um, so that was really fun. But getting back to some of the comments here, Eric Flores, we appreciate you being in here. What do y'all think about the trading rumors right? And I think you just mean like right now. Um so the main one that I would say really there's a chance of is Thaddeus Young, but this is one of the things that we also discussed on that live stream and something we've mentioned even last week on our show, probably going to be a buyout just like LaMarcus Aldridge. Hopefully we can get like a second round pick out of him, um, but probably going to be a buyout. That would be our guess. Did you see, I don't know how valid it is. Uh, I saw TSR actually had a video on it. I don't know what we would be getting in return, but Toronto is interested in Jakob Pertl. Do you know anything about that, Jude? I don't know how substantiated that is. I just kind of saw 
that it was out there. Um, but I could totally see it. I know that Jakob really loved his time mm-hmm. in Toronto. Um, if they want to stick with Jock Landale instead and they just want to roll with him and Zach Collins, maybe that's a possibility. Um, I don't know if that's going to be the case, but um, you know, with the way that the Spurs have been playing, really with just one center and small ball all around him, you know, we've kind of questioned if that's because of injuries, but maybe that's the style that they're going for moving forward. And that could be a potential reason why, but I'm not really going to put too much into it. But I think that that is a realistic of a trade scenario if there is going to be a trade just because of his history there and Mm -hmm. the way that I know he'd love that bench mafia. Um, And so from what TSR says here, the Yakov news seems legit. And just from, like I said, his history there, I feel like if he is going to get traded somewhere, that would be somewhere where it seems like it could be somewhat realistic um and that would explain the signings as well you know you sign two big men obviously you need depth but maybe they really want to roll with those guys and just want to have you know two stretch bigs out there all the time to play Mm -hmm. their offense and they really do the raptors have been um trying to like build around having five guys out there that are around like six eight to seven feet tall like that's their new style that they're going for so it would make sense but i'm looking at their roster right now trying to see exactly what we would get in return, I guess maybe a pick, because they have a lot of guys I feel like they would want to hang on to, at least that we would want. Um, I mean, I know they're probably trying to get rid of Goran Dragic, but I don't want Goran Dragic. <laughs> no way I want Goran Dragic. We, we would probably want a big back, at least a four, right? That's, like Chris yeah. Boucher or something. That's a, I was about to say his name too, yeah. Or or Kem Burke, I guess. But I don't really want Kem Burke. I would no. much rather have Boucher. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's precious, just- but... Precious Achua. I feel like they want him, though. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I I, I could see it happening. Um, I think it'll really depend on where we are as a team come, like, trade deadline time. Um, I if agree. We're, if we're still fighting for that play-in spot, I think we might just roll with Yach because um, we, we like to compete. But if we're, like, where we are right now, which is, I think, 13, I could see us pulling the trigger on that because why not? And then you try know, and draft a big. It's a different – era in Spurs world so things are different but also they're not yeah so I'm gonna I'm gonna just I'm gonna just roll with that we keep the same team and if we do make any sort of trade it's gonna be in the off uh in the off season but what I will say is if there's going to be any trade for Jakob Pertl I think that it would be um to the Toronto Raptors um and just talking about some of you guys in the comments you know this is a good argument too we can't put too much on Zach we've mentioned even if you watched our last clip that we put out um on Zach Collins you know you got to see how that ankle and how that lower foot injury works for a big man like that because that's a big part of post game that's just a big part uh footwork in the paint is very important for movement which you mentioned earlier so it's Mm -hmm. just another reason guys like you know i know we wanted to watch the austin spurs with primo but this might even be like a more important thing to watch because this was one of your key signings um in free agency so it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out um and another thing hasn't played in two years like i said last time i like to stay optimistic and think that the spurs wouldn't make this signing um if they didn't think that he had some potential to be a rotation player for them but at the same time the contract is very 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 low risk mm-hmm. like almost no guarantee money money guaranteed a player option for the next two years so say if the spurs wanted to pick him up this year uh or this upcoming year 
and things didn't work out, they could still have the opportunity to keep him or not. So they have control over his career, basically, for the next three years, which is good, but it's Mm -hmm. also just another reason to be cautious. I'm very excited, but we're going to have to see what happens. As as TSR says, still the Spurs are only one and a half games behind the 10 seed, so it really is pretty close. That's another reason why maybe that Jakob move doesn't happen until the offseason, perhaps, just to keep the culture and the chemistry together. I mean, when was the last time that the Spurs made a midseason trade at the trade deadline? It was back in like 2015 or 16, and it was to get one of those guys like Quincy Pondexter or something. Yeah. Like it was really (laughs) like low noise, didn't have any effect on the team. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Other than the buyouts, of course. Mm-hmm. So that kind of goes into the reason, you know, we talked about this. Bryn Forbes probably isn't going to get traded either. But if you're going to look at two people on the roster who might have a chance to get moved, I would go with those guys. Low chance on Jakob. Um, but you never know. You never know. It is a new era of Spurs basketball. And with those signings and Zach Collins coming back, interesting timing for that. So that's something that we'll definitely have to watch. Um, But ideally, you get to keep everybody and play a little bit bigger lineups to help with the rebounding issue that the Spurs have had in a lot of games with those second, third, fourth chance opportunities. That's something TSR mentions a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's a great point. But going back up to some other questions that we saw. Eric Pacino, we appreciate you being in here. Do you guys think we should do a mini rebuild, i.e. our front court? Um, Well, I guess a lot of that kind of depends on this Jakob news. Um, like we said, you know, or like I said, I'm not too high on it. I don't think just with the Spurs history, I'm not expecting that to happen. Um, but you know, uh, depending on where you fall in the lottery, I, I think a lot of Spurs fans are going to continue to kind of clamor for a young big just because it's been so long since we've drafted one. And it's like, yes, you love all these guys that we've drafted, but it's like, okay, now, now we really like, it would really, really be a log jam if you picked, mm-hmm. you know, more guards in, in the first round moving forward. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on this? I think we're already in the midst of a big rebuild, but for our front court, we absolutely have to draft a big guy. I think it's a must. Even even if we get to our pick, Jude, and there's really not like a great four or five on the board, I think you still have to draft or trade back at this point because you're right. Drafting another guy, unless you want to go with a, like a small forward, like you could maybe stretch to a four spot like in the modern NBA. Okay, sure. But if we draft another guard, then we really, really have to make a couple more moves as far as like trading some of these dudes because we have we have way too many guards. We need a four or a five, in all honesty, more than anything. Yeah. And I don't mind like a tall three. Like if you can get obviously this is a very big stretch, but like a Jabari Smith type player. When I say frame-wise, I'm not saying the Spurs are going to go up into the top three and get him in the draft. I'm just saying if you can get somebody who's 6'9", and yeah, he may play like a three, but if he's 6'9", you can play him out at the four, just like a a Kieta Bates, for example. That would be something that would be good. You know, a skilled four that can put the ball on the floor, but is just, you know, super tall and can rebound for us and match up size-wise. I think that would be something that's Mm. very big for the Spurs moving forward. I'd be cool with that. But what do you think? No, yeah, I'd be I'd be fine with that too. Um, I would much rather have a guy that can score in the post, but like an Evan Mobley type. But um, if there's not one of those on the board, I mean, really, the only two that I can think of for this draft, and I'm not a big college guy, so maybe I'm wrong here, Jude. Is, is Paolo and Chet as far as a big guy that can play 
with his back to the basket, like an old school guy um, that has the potential to be a star. But then you start, you start thinking about Jabari Smith and other guys that are very skilled. Um, I'm not against that either. But guard is it has to be off the menu. Like there yeah. can't, there, yeah. we just can't. Got to at least be guard. a forward. Yeah. Yes, please God. <laughs> but my man Yoga just commented. He brings up a good point. Are, is grabbing DeAndre Ayton and free agency is still possible? I don't actually know for sure. Um, do you know, Jude? Because I, I know he denied his his uh, extension, or he declined that it. It's going to be interesting. I think that that would still. I think he's still going to be a restricted free agent That's what because. I so that would mean that the Spurs would have to. That means, yeah, then he would. There would be a possibility. Um, we have to give him a lot of money. Yes, and that's something that you would have to. And, and we'd have the money because, yeah. as TSR mentions right here, forty-two million in cap space right now. The Spurs have like thirty, close to forty million in, in, in cap space. So you definitely would have the money. It's just something that you gotta you gotta ask yourself. You gotta be like, hey, like, is this really gonna like put us to a championship level? One, two, would like, do you want to break up this young core? Because if you give him, you know, the the max bag, where it would actually be a possibility to where the Suns wouldn't be able to match it, or somebody else wouldn't be able to match it, you're gonna be you're committing to that, you know. And then maybe there's not money there to sign a Kelton Johnson or a Devin Vassell moving forward, you know? So obviously one of the things that TSR was even mentioning on the stream last time was DeJounte needs his Robin. He's kind of like Batman, but hopefully that Derek can, you know, be that for the second half of the season and you don't even have to worry about it. Um, but it's just something that you got to be wary of because I think that although I haven't watched too much sun tape, sun's tape this year, from my understanding, um, DeAndre Ayton isn't having the greatest year of his career um, mm. this year. And maybe that has to do with chemistry and stuff like that. Not saying that he's having a terrible year, um, but from what I've heard, it seems like he's not, you know, maybe being the finals player that they had or the player that helped get them to the finals last year. So it's just something that you got to, you know, keep an open mind on, right? You got to be wary, cautious of it. But then also there's the upside of a young foreign big from an island place the spurs like those they like we those a like lot those. and they've had a lot of success with them and when you talk about the spurs development staff and you know sometimes that's what it's some players have needed look at Keita bates diop i mean he's made an nba career out of himself you know and and took a former first round pick spot on the team after taking a two-way deal Devonte kaycock kind of remaking his career on this two-way deal with the spurs obviously this would be on a much higher level with a much more talented player and a former number one pick but at the same time you know sometimes getting in that spurs development staff that's what a lot of young players feel like could make a difference for them that's probably why zach collins signed here so um there's some upside there's some pros there's some cons and you just gotta weigh it out but there's definitely a possibility and it's not something that i would be mad at um mm -hmm. but it's just something that you would have to be wary of because it's like, do you want to, do you have to win right now? Do you really want to just go for that? And maybe you don't have an opportunity to get a player of his caliber because you're in San Antonio. And this would be an opportunity where you could, where you have cap space, but lot, lots of factors here. I could ran on this forever. Mm -hmm. What are your kind of thoughts on this? I would not be against getting DeAndre Aiden at all. I really like his game. I liked him before they got CP3. Yeah, CP3 really kind of elevates his stats, though. I will say that. He gets a lot of easy baskets from playing with point guard. 
um, that he wouldn't get if he wasn't playing with point guard. I'm not saying DeJounte Murray isn't a good point guard, but CP3 just makes centers' lives a lot easier. He turned DeAndre Jordan into an all-NBA first-team center, and look where he's been since he's left the Clippers. He's really not that good anymore. Um, with that being said, um, if you were to sign DeAndre Ayton, I think that would – I think you'd have to move some other guys like like a Derek White um, because of the money that he's making. I think you'd also maybe have to think about moving a Jakob Pertl at that point because he's also making – I'm not saying he's making crazy money, but he's making good money for a guy that would he's be making playing more backup than center. Or yeah. Zach. Exactly. And you have to think about signing, like you said, Kelton Johnson and Devin Vassell. At that point, I think it's pretty much guaranteed that you wouldn't re-sign Lonnie Walker. Um, so you'd really have to kind of restructure the team a little bit if you were to sign Aiton, but I'm not against doing that because I do think he has the potential to be an all-star level center, especially next to a young core of DeJounte Murray, of Devin Vassell, uh, Keldon Johnson, and uh, of course, Primo. So We haven't even mentioned him, and that's somebody... Mm-hmm. imagine in four years if primo yep. keeps progressing and he's going to be 22 and a restricted free agent yep that that could be somebody who demands uh some dollars as well but at the same time you, you, D, sometimes it's just like you got to get dj some help that's yes. what it felt like in that rockets game um mm-hmm. but ideally like we said Derek can just step up and you don't even have to be in this situation but it's it's something to pay attention to and i feel like that's something that maybe could happen for the Spurs. You never know. Um, you don't want to be too, you know, like we've said throughout the show, it's the Spurs. So you don't want to just jump in and be like, they're going to sign a big name free agent because other than LaMarcus Aldridge, the Spurs never have. Um, but maybe that's telling it's a big, uh, so something to watch, but I feel like that's not too out of the realm of possibility. If the Spurs are going to sign any of the restricted free agent. So yoga says that, if it's D. White, Lonnie, and Jakob who have to go, they'll take it. You know, I, I would that, too. I, it would be a solid team. I think so too. But like I said, lots of season left, um, and and we'll have to see what happens. But there were some other questions up here that we missed. Okay, there's gonna go back to PG Vice. I know you asked this a while ago, um, but what are the chances that this is Pop's last run record or not? This is a very intriguing question. I think he could come back for one more year, especially with the news that Becky Hammond is going to Las Vegas. Um, I don't think that it would be any more than that, but wouldn't it just be fitting of Pop to just finish out his contract and be like, I signed the contract, y'all. That was my last contract. Duh. It was right Mm -hmm. in front of you the whole time. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I don't think he's going to leave after this season with the record or not, he's going to finish out his contract because that's what he said he would do, <laughs> and then he will walk off into the sunset. I don't care if we finish in the conference finals, Jude, we lose. I don't care if we win a championship. I don't care if we're the 15th seed. No matter what happens after next season, I think Pop's just going to say deuces very unceremoniously and, and retire similarly to how Tim Duncan did back in the day. But he's still going to be the president. Watch. Yes. Yes. Oh, he's, yes, he's going to do that. He's going to pull a Phil Jackson on us. He's going to just go straight. Yep. Phil Jackson and RC is now literally the CEO of Spurs Sports and Entertainment. So while Pop will be gone, like this influence and in, in his culture won't be. No. So, I mean, maybe he retires from that position, but still you got to remember that RC Buford is younger than Pop and he's still there. And he's one of the architects of this 20 year run um, as well. 
But here is the question, Ethan. I think this is probably one of the more pertinent questions out here. Uh, who is replacing Pop now with mm. Becky Hammond gone? I think last time we just kind of talked about and focused on Becky Hammond's impact on the players and you know how we were all really expecting her to be the next person moving forward. Um, but who do you think could potentially be set up? Do you think it's somebody else? around the league or is this just going to be the most Spurs thing of all time and Mitch Johnson's going to be the head coach in two years (laughs) yeah I think it's one of two things you I think it's what you just said where it's just Mitch Johnson or some other assistant coach or Matt Nielsen that gets elevated to the head coaching position or and this is what I'm hoping for and there is no evidence that would point toward this being the case I just really want it to happen for my heart and my soul and that's Manu Ginobili slides in to that head coaching spot because he's now officially a consultant or something. Yeah. Right? And so he's yeah. there. And so he just kind of is like, all right, I'm now the head coach. And he slides into that spot. That one is, I feel like, a lot less likely. But as a Spurs fan, it, it would get me very excited. You know, and there's been a lot of former players that have come into the head coach's role recently, even without mm-hmm. any experience. You look at Steve Nash and you look what he's doing. And, you know, Manu's been out there mentoring everybody. He's been doing his bike rides. You know, we wanted this to happen with Timmy, and then we saw him leave. So I don't want to get hopes up too high, but I would yeah. love that too. But looking at some other serious candidates, I'm trying to think around the league. Do you think that maybe there would be a chance that a Will Hardy or something like that might leave their assistant coach role uh, to be a head coach position with the Spurs? I feel like that could happen. If yeah. the Celtics stick with Ime Udoka these next two years, maybe the Spurs offer Will Hardy. He comes back. I think that's a possibility. Any other names that you can think of? Mm, not unless somebody gets fired because mm-hmm. i feel like everybody else kind of is like in their spot i know for a or while they leave their post yeah because remember for a while we everyone thought that what's his name was going to get retired uh Budenholzer, or not retired fired Budenholzer mm-hmm. because they're like he's not going to win a chip with Giannis, so just like fire him because he's obviously not a good coach and everyone's like oh spurs are gonna just like let's take let's take that guy um but i think he's pretty much set in his ways now because he got a chip so Sean Elliott. That has to be the best comment we've ever had. <laughs> yes. Sure. I'm Let's all it. for it. Let's do I love Sean. Sean's hilarious. Brett Brown. That's yeah. actually interesting because he does not have a job right now, yeah. right? And that's a very Sp- uh, Spurs type guy. That's that's somebody that – that's very interesting, Boudet. That's somebody that I hadn't thought of, um, and he's been coaching on the broadcast. He really is out there a lot of times talking about certain things that they need. One of the things – even Bill Land was coaching the other day. We were talking about yeah. – um, I forget what it was on the TSR stream, but it's if we could just – Lonnie. Lonnie, that's right. And <laughs> Coach Robinson, d I would love that. <laughs> yeah. I would who, love that. Who is the Philly coach right now? I don't Doc even, Rivers. It is still Doc Rivers? Okay. Yeah. For some reason, I thought he got fired again, even though no, I, no. he didn't. It's fun. Everyone loves Doc Rivers, but honestly, other than that one time he won a championship, like, he really hasn't done anything. Like, and that was with, once again, three Hall of Famers, like yeah. Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen, and yeah. Rondo. That's four. Yep. Yeah. Wow. And Ken, a mean, young Kendrick Perkins, a young Big Baby Davis. That team was stacked. <laughs> Love me some Big Baby Davis. LSU <laughs> alum. LSU alum. Yeah. But... Yeah, Brett Brown, Will Hardy. Um, I'm trying to think. I wouldn't say James Borrego. He's got Lamelo. Taylor yeah, Jenkins has Jaw. Um, I see that our man Eric Flores 
He says it's going to be Steve Kerr coming back right after. I would take it. I would take it, but I think that the Warriors are are looking looking pretty pretty great right now. Yeah, and he's probably, not leaving Steph Curry. Probably going to be pretty great even in 2024 because Steph mm. Curry is aging very well and Clay Thompson is back and <laughs> somehow looks fine. Let's make <laughs> let's turn Boris Diaw into our next coach. Yes, Most and then random choice. He can he can lead. Um, what food did they eat? I don't know. I remember just he. If go go to Boris oh, the Diaz Instagram, there's the coffee club. But he's also like they've done some like exotic Ooh. dinners and stuff. Like where they go and eat like some foreign food and they have they all have wine. I would I would love to see Bobo back, man. What's your favorite Boris Diaz moment? Ooh, they're all so good. Uh, <laughs> probably, probably the 2014, just the finals in general when they put him in the starting lineup and he just absolutely dominated the heat. That was pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Yoga says Mark Jackson, LOL. I kind of like that, though, for real. I like Mark Jackson as the head coach. I despise his commentary. <laughs> I, I, it's so funny. It's so random. It, has, it makes no uh, it's, sense. I think more, more though, I, I, despise, I despise Jeff Van Gundy. Really? I actually yes. really like them. I think they're funny. I mean, did you hear did you They hear are that? funny. They're they funny. They are hilarious. They yeah. are hilarious. I will give you that. But some of the stuff they say, I'm like, bro, what are you talking about? Maybe it's just the Spurs games. I don't have know. You, have you seen the uh, Mark Jackson saying, he's like, I can't believe he said Savannah, talking about LeBron James' wife, is, oh is all city. He goes, she's all world. He goes, I, what, what does he say? He's like, I don't he, says he says something like, I'd, I'd hit that out of the park. And then he pauses and he goes, respectfully. Oh my God. <laughs> literally live i was like oh wow. my god wow speaking so of which great. this is completely off topic but just to have some fun with some tv sports moments um this past week it wasn't lewis riddick but lewis riddick was freaking out they had some and former nfl player on and he was talking about how he would pop viagra before games yes i saw that I because saw that. it because it gets and it's like a real thing like hey no it gets the blood vessels going <laughs> like yeah and of course everybody was like oh my god he just said the boner pill on tv but it was just like no like yes that it, it, it's funny because of that for sure mm-hmm. but also like it literally does help them like before yeah. the game so like it doesn't surprise me but it was just funny how the reaction to that was so it's, i love so it's probably a very effective way to stay warm in all yeah. wow i couldn't even imagine playing in those six degree temperatures thank gosh the spurs get to play indoors and don't yes. have to play basketball in that um oh but just Moving forward, Ethan, I guess let's take a look at the schedule and and see what the Spurs got coming up for them this week. Obviously, tomorrow night, going to have a tough one against one of the best teams in the league in the Phoenix Suns. Um, the Spurs will also get to good, get a good look at DeAndre Ayton in that game, I believe. If he's playing, I'm going to go to GameCast and check the injury report. He's actually day-to-day, so he may not be playing. Um, but everybody except for Trey Jones and Zach Collins uh, will be playing tomorrow night for the Spurs. Cam Johnson, DeAndre Ayton, Abdel Nader uh, are on the injury report for the Suns. Maybe DeAndre Ayton plays, depending on how that day-to-day goes, um, but Cameron Johnson is out. Mm. So they have some players out as well. And if DeAndre Ayton is out, this actually might be, um, the Spurs might have a better chance of winning this game than they thought, and they might be able to steal one from one of the best teams in the West right now. What are your thoughts on that one? Still going to be tough, I feel, even without DeAndre Ayton, because they still have a lot of big guys on JaVale the bench. McGee. JaVale McGee. Uh, Kaminsky. 
Kaminsky. Uh, Sarich, is he still there? I, believe I he think is. he's hurt right oh, now. Okay. Actually, no, he would be on the injury report if he was hurt, so never mind. Well, they have, they have our guy, uh, Jalen Smith, as well, who there has actually go. been getting playing time. So <laughs> they still have a lot of players that could really be deadly, i.e. Devin Booker, CP3. Um, so I wouldn't get too confident. But without DeAndre, it does get a little bit easier. So who knows? Maybe the Spurs can surprise everybody. Yeah. That's, I think, a great way to put it. Don't don't go in expecting a win, but also don't be too surprised if DeAndre Ayton doesn't play and the Spurs somehow pull it out mm-hmm. um, because that would make it more of a chance for sure. Then the Spurs get to go play Oklahoma City. Not an easy win by any means, but definitely a more winnable game. And then they'll wrap up the week playing Brooklyn on Friday and Philadelphia on Sunday. In good news for... Well, there's... So there's... The Brooklyn game is a double-sided coin because... KD is out, but you're playing them in San Antonio. And usually it's like, yay, it's a home game. But with the Nets right now, that means Kyrie. (laughs) And we know how Kyrie plays in the AT&T Center. So. Yep, 56. That's, I don't even want to watch the game. (laughs) That game just scares me because Kyrie Mm. is just a menace in San Antonio. Um, So it's going to be a tough week. You're playing three teams that are going to be playoff teams uh, in their respective conferences, if I'm remembering the Sixers' record right. And yeah, yeah. they're maybe not the greatest season, but they are still 25 uh, and 17. So a tough week, um, but still seems like the Spurs um, will have a shot in, in some of these games. So what do you think, I guess, I don't want to necessarily you know put a number on everything, but what do you think would be a good week for the Spurs looking forward? For these four games, I think two and two. I'll take two and two. I think that would be really, really great because th- that'd be that would be the Thunder game, and then we beat one of these three, you know, honestly championship caliber teams. Um, if you include Philly, but, I won't include Philly, but I'll say that they're the team that we could beat. Yeah, that, se- that second win. If you can beat OKC and you can go in and beat Philly, um, that would be I think would be a good week. So this is another question. And we started the stream off with this, but this this is going to be very interesting more moving forward. I'm going to say yes. Unfortunately, even though I want him to come off the bench because I loved how the effectiveness was, I think because he played well, Pop's going to be like, here's your starting spot back. And it's like, I get it. But also, mm-hmm. it worked. Yep. <laughs> it's one game, but it worked, man. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think it. I think he will start, but I really really don't want him to and not because i don't like Derek, but just because it works better in my opinion when he's on the bench yeah yeah you just want to maximize uh the skills and the effectiveness of your players and Derek white playing against bench players does that (laughs) and it does that very well and then it gets him in rhythm for the fourth and then you can play him with Dejounte, and it worked out last night don't want to harp too much on one game, but it just it seems like that's what we were talking about, Ethan. And mm-hmm. then you saw it last night, and the Clippers have their struggles, but they're still they've been better than the Spurs this year. So it will be very interesting, and it would allow for as Bude says, keeping Devin in the starting five, which is something that a lot of us in the Spurs media world are really, really for. And yeah. You know, we got to figure out these heights, Ethan, because if Devin is six seven, yes, he's undersized like weight wise 
But I don't mind playing him at the four if he's six seven because we've seen his rebounding ability this year. Because he's vertical, he can just go up and get it a lot of times with his length and his athleticism. So that's another thing about him being in the starting five. But as our boy Mosquiti here says, and I've seen him on Twitter as well, we appreciate you being in here. Uh, Derek starts, pops way. Yep. Probably the most likely thing to happen. I would agree. Another big point here from TSR, Spurs have the second hardest remaining schedule in the league. Just looking at back at the schedule, I'll read off some of the other teams that they have uh, a couple more times. They've got to play Portland three times. Um, that'll be a little bit easier because of Damian Lillard's injury, but that's also going to be at the end of the season. So I don't, is he out for four to six weeks or four to six months? Did you see that, Ethan? I couldn't tell you. I here. I don't know. We'll Google Probably it. Probably weeks, right? I think it's, I want to say that, that it's weeks. Yeah, out at least six weeks after surgery. So that could actually be when he's coming back. So Right. <laughs> right. just and how it happens. Yeah, that's usually how it happens. Um, you still got to play Memphis twice. And man, Memphis has just been, they've been dogs this year. Um, speaking of that, if there's a playoff matchup that I want to see, Ethan, I want to see... The Memphis Grizzlies stay in the three spot, and I want to see the Los Angeles Lakers move up to the sixth spot because I feel like the personality clash of John Morant and LeBron James in a playoff series would just be like, I mean, get your popcorn because that would just be beautiful TV. If the Lakers can even stay in the playoffs. (laughs) Speaking of them, we've got to play them one more time this uh, moving forward. Let's get a win. Let's go. Come on. It looks like, you know, it's tough too. Chicago twice, yep, the second half of the season. Yep. Golden State twice. Charlotte. Yep. Not, well, not Charlotte twice, but still got to play Charlotte once. I Dallas as well. For that Chicago game, dude. Miami. Oh, that's going to be, that's going to be such a bittersweet game. Cause like, I'm not going to be, I'm going to be like rooting for both teams. <laughs> Obviously I, I want the Spurs to win, but I'm going to be so happy that like DeMar is playing with like, you know, a team and a bunch of other like established all-stars. Obviously yep. he respects DeJounte and Derek and, and all the guys here, but to see him play with, you know, at, at this point in his career, he deserves to play with Nikola Vucevic, Lonzo Ball, yeah. getting the Zach attention Levine, he definitely deserves. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, got another game with Cleveland. And that Cleveland, it's crazy. Yep. Usually, you know, three years ago, it's like you think, okay, Cleveland. But this Easy year, dub. Cleveland, nope. nope, they're they're going to be a playoff team. And you got to go up there and play them again. So those are just some of the teams that we have to play for the rest of the year. Again, I, before I even leave, got Utah on the schedule one more time. You end the year off with Dallas. Um, it's going to be a tough end, but, you know, it's going to tell us a lot about this young Spurs team. And just remember, guys, every game we lose – Higher draft pick. (laughs) Yep. But I think that the Spurs are going to find themselves. I really do. I think they're going to find themselves in the hunt for that 10 seed when it's all said and done. You know, maybe they're one game back and they don't get in. But I think that the Spurs will just somehow find a way to keep themselves in that play in hunt uh, down to the wire this season. I would agree. Safe bet. Man, this is I think this is a great way to kind of end the show. Yoga. I don't mind if DeMar dropping th- drops 35 on us and makes a game winning shot. <laughs> I wouldn't mind either. I feel like that's the one. T- one we would thing get that- on ESPN at least. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great way to put it. All right. Well, I guess another way that we could maybe end it off. If you had 
to have your starting lineup for the rest of the year, this is Yoga's. He's got DJ, Devin, KJ, Kieda, Jakob, and then off the bench, White, Primo, Lonnie, uh, McBuckets, and Landale. What do you think? I'd probably go DJ, Devin, KJ, Zach, once he's back, Jakob. And then the bench, I would go White, Primo, um, McBuckets, Kada, and Landale. I like that. I like, um, I'm not sure necessarily what I would do, but I think I like playing Doug McDermott at the three a little bit more in this second half. I just think that mm-hmm. that would um, help his effectiveness. And with Zach Collins coming back, I think that that's going to allow that to happen. Um, I'd probably roll with DeJounte. I guess we'll put Devin at the two just because he's a shooter. Uh, KJ. You know, I think I'm going to roll with this same lineup. I'm going to put Keita Bates in the starting lineup. Um, oh my gosh. I forget about Lonnie. I, I was just like, I'm going to yeah. put Keita Bates in the starting lineup and then I'm going to put McBuckets at the three and have uh, Jock at the four and Zach at the five. But then that completely gets rid of Lonnie. So, and yeah. which is not possible. So it's not, but this is what I would want. <laughs> yeah. That's what I would want. Yeah. I'm not going to play Lonnie. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'd rather play Primo. I don't know though. Maybe I wouldn't play him rather than Mc, Maybe I'd rather have him play over McBuckets, but uh, it's just um, such a it's such a weird thing with Lonnie. He he had a good game last night. Um, he made some plays. Um, had some big dunks. Lonnie's athletic. He's, he's so talented. <laughs> That's but, such a like a. I know it, it sounded like a backhanded compliment. Like at the same yeah, time, he's it's so just, athletic. He's he's. It's, he's just pain because yeah. you just want him to put it all together and it's all there, but it just never does. He's got yeah. all the tools. He just hasn't picked up all the rocks in his hand. I don't know how to describe it. Very good. Jude. But I think, perfect. I think that's the expert analysis there. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for coming into today's SSPN live. We appreciate you guys sticking around with us for 52 minutes in this one. Hopefully this man will be in the starting lineup a little bit more often. If you're listening on audio, I'm wearing a Devin Vassell Fiesta shirt. Uh, Don't forget to like and subscribe if you enjoyed today's episode. We appreciate all of you guys who were able to make it out to the live. If you're watching this after it airs or you're listening to the podcast feed, we appreciate you too. And if, hey, you're listening to this afterwards and you're like, hey, I didn't see this on YouTube. Sometimes I got to admit, I'd be a little bit lazy and I don't make the scheduled live stream so you get the notification in your YouTube feed. But what you can do to stay updated anyways, even if it's not on YouTube, is follow us on Twitter. Tweeted about it earlier today so you can stay in the loop of all live shows. If it's not up on the YouTube schedule feed, um, sometimes we still do shows like tonight and you can find it on our Twitter at Ethan underscore Quintero and at Jude McLaren. And if you want to get some SSPN merch, check out some other cool Spurs content, go ahead and check out SpursTubeTV.com. And you can check out some cool clips with Rob Trejo Jr. over there on SpursTubeTV on YouTube and at SpursTubeTV on all social media. So thank you guys so much for doing this stream. We appreciate y'all so much for being in here and we'll catch you guys in... Wait, I still have this up. There we go. Now we'll catch you guys in the next one.